Welcome to the God Put Me Up On Game podcast with Kristen R. Harris, where God shares all the good game because he wants you to win. This is the podcast for winners. Hey, winners. Thank you guys so much for coming down to the winner circle for another episode of God Put Me Up On Game. You already know the drill. I appreciate you. I'm grateful. I'm honored that you are spending just a few moments with me. I do not take it for granted, nor do I take it lightly that you have chosen to rock out with the winner circle and you keep showing up and you keep sharing and telling your friends, I see the numbers. I wanted to share a quick review. You guys know I love reviews. This came in from Coach Caprice. If you've been around the podcast for a while, then you remember Coach Caprice actually was a guest on the podcast. You want to go back and listen to prayers up, wait down. But she said, I love that I always receive an encouraging word and enjoy getting the inspiration from the guest stories and learn from different experiences. God continues to speak to me through others. One of my fave podcast podcast. I'm sorry, Coach Caprice. I love you. You're one of my fave people. I thank you for the review. I thank you for coming down to the winner circle when you did and sharing your testimony and sharing how you triumphed over all of the trials and you continue to do so. You are such an inspiration to so many people. If you guys do not know Coach Caprice, you better get in tune because she is someone that you need to know. Now, listen, I told you guys that for the month of July, I was rewinding and sharing some previous episodes that I was the guest on on other podcasts. Well, today I am taking a break from that. We'll get back into the rewind next Wednesday because today is the eve of my wedding anniversary. Now, if you've been around the podcast for a while, I'm probably going to say that a couple of times today, then you may have heard the episode last year, this same time when I brought my husband on, whom I affectionately affectionately, I'm tongue tied this morning, but affectionately call the man. And so um, you want to go back and listen to that episode. I'll even put a link in the show notes to the man and, and his queen. But today, because it is the eve of my wedding anniversary, I am going to share 15 things that I have learned on this journey, 15 lessons. So tomorrow is our 15th wedding anniversary. I must say that I did not plan to celebrate it the way that we are celebrating. Of course, we had plans. I would have preferred to be on a plane somewhere, landing, sitting on an island with a an umbrella in my drink. Okay, that was probably my plans, but uh, man makes plans, God changes them. So, you know what we're dealing with. And so we've had to come up with other creative ways to celebrate because this is a milestone anniversary and it is so important. Um, there are a lot of people who started off with us who have not made it to this point. So I do not take this lightly. I do not um, think that it's it's a small feat. I do understand this is a, an accomplishment, but we have only done it by the grace of God. So I give all honor to God. So what I wanted to do really quickly is just share 15 quick lessons that I learned on this journey. And this list, of course, is not conclusive. There are so many lessons I've learned over the past 15 years, uh, but I'll just share 15 of them in uh, symbolism of 15 years. And also they're not in any particular order. I just kind of jotted these down as they came to me. 
But um, I, I just wanted to share with you guys, this, this has certainly been a journey. Marriage is not an easy task. It's probably one of the hardest things that I have ever done. I often say that I think that um, sometimes, and we talked about this last year when my husband was on, sometimes marriage is harder than parenting. And there are certainly those seasons where parenting tops marriage, <laughs> but um, it, it is totally worth it. It is such an amazing, gratifying and rewarding experience when you do find your rhythm. And even when you guys are out of step with each other and out of sync, um, just learning from those experiences and taking those things that you have gone through and applying them to the better days is, is such an amazing feeling. So I'm going to get into these really quickly and then I'm going to hop off of here because I am celebrating all week to the end of the week through the weekend. We are celebrating this 15 years of wedding marital bliss. Okay. So number one, these are my 15 lessons. Number one, I'm going to say this is really probably specifically geared towards the women Talk to God and not talk to God about it and not your friends. <laughs> okay. As women, I know that it is so easy, so tempting to vent to our friends. I do understand that. And it's so funny that I'm sharing this today because just a couple of weeks ago, I had a situation where something happened and um, I was, I was perturbed. Like I just wanted to fly off a handle and um, instead of taking it to God first, he was my last resort. But by the time I had talked to him, I had already talked to two or three other people. And talking to them, of course, you know, I again, I know how women are. We want to vent to our good girlfriends. We just, we need someone in our amen and yes girl corner. Or even to tell us to check us when we're wrong because I do, most of my friends are very, not most of them, all of my friends are very good in letting me know when I'm wrong or when I'm out of order. But at the, you know, sometimes you just want to have a conversation with someone that you can actually see who speaks back. But the problem that I ran into just a couple of weeks ago was that I was sharing this and I left each one of those conversations not feeling any better than I went into it. And as a matter of fact, I felt like I had even made more of a mess in sharing um, and, and painting a negative picture of a situation that I didn't even give them all of the insight on. And so um, when I finally went to God, you know, he was, he checked me. He did. He said, you should have come to me first. I could have helped you work through this. We could have resolved this. And, um, you wouldn't have left feeling worse than you did. And so I want to speak directly to those of you who may find yourself in challenging situations. And it doesn't have to be something that's just like huge or major. It can be something small, but we often run to our friends because they are a place of comfort. They are our confidants and that type of thing. But when it comes to marriage, I've learned over the years Talk to God about it and not my friends. I love my friends, but we got a gazillion other things that we could talk about besides things that are happening inside my household, inside my marriage. Now, I'm not saying that you cannot confide in your friends for various things as it pertains to your marriage, but you want to be really careful. And, and I would say, go to God first, because what he will do is give you a plan. Like this may be a situation where you may need to, 
um, bring somebody else in. You need some support. Or he'll be like, listen, this is not even as big as you're making it out to be. Let me show you how to get to the steps. And the other thing that I think, um, I, I think I shared last year is that going to God for my marriage has really been instrumental because it has helped me to learn when to even have conversations about things with my husband. Um, sometimes when I'm dealing with things as it pertains to him or, or I'm upset or maybe I'm offended or hurt or whatever I may be feeling in that moment, when I take it to God first, he creates an opportunity, the most divine timing, perfect timing for us to sit down and have the conversation where I'm in a better space mentally and emotionally and my husband is in a better space mentally and emotionally. He's in a better space to receive what it is that I am trying to convey. And so he's not as defensive. It doesn't turn into an argument. And I love that. And I've only seen that growth and, and that happened when I take it to God first. So that's my number one. Talk to God about it, not your friends. Number two, don't sweat the small stuff. This is something that I wish I could have grasped early on in my marriage. I probably didn't get this concept till about year seven or eight, but some things just don't matter in the grand scheme of things. And when you learn to just let stuff roll off your back, I just had this conversation with a good friend yesterday. I was like, girl, I have learned to be like the duck and just let some things roll off my back. And I wasn't even referring to my marriage. I was talking about things in, in other situations, but it's, it's key. You got to learn to not sweat the small stuff. When you get married, you essentially bring everything that you know about yourself, all of your, your entire frame of reference. And that's your, the way you were raised, your morals, your values, your ethics, your education, um, everything that, that makes you who you are, you bring that and your spouse brings that as well. And so sometimes you two are not going to see eye to eye because your frame of reference is different, but you have to determine whether this thing that you may not be seeing eye to eye on is it really that serious is it really that serious and we've definitely have <laughs> our share of of growth in this area because there were a lot of small nuances that we would bump heads about in the beginning I mean and I'm talking about stupid stuff down to the way um the, the way the toilet paper is put on the roll. Okay, let me just be honest. <laughs> because I am a person who thinks the toilet paper should be flipped out and it should roll over and not under. My husband and my children as well, except for my youngest baby. She's the only one who's like, who put this on here wrong? But the rest of them, they put it on there and the, the, the toilet paper rolls under. Well, in the beginning, you know, every time I would go in the bathroom, I would say, now, why would you put this toilet paper on here? Put it on the right way. Stop sweating the small stuff because what would happen is that would turn into something even bigger. Now, what do I do? He still does it. <laughs> Nothing has changed. But if I go into the bathroom and the tissue is under and not over, I simply take it off and flip it around. I probably shake my head and be like, some things never change, but whatever. I just turn it around. And 
I'm being funny and a little bit facetious. I mean, that's a real life scenario in our home, but I'm being a little facetious with, with using the toilet paper example, but whatever it is for you, don't sweat the small stuff. D- decide whether or not this is big enough for um, us to even have a conversation about, or is this something that I can just deal with? And only you know what those things truly are in your marriage. Tying right into that, um, I want to say number three is understanding that your way is not the only way. Now, this was hard for me, guys. I'm going to be honest because I am like, I am an intelligent woman. I know a lot of things. I've seen a lot of things. I've been a lot of places. So, you know, it's hard for you to tell me some things, but I had to understand that my way is not the only way. And even further than that, my way may not be the best way. And so when you come to terms with that, then it ties right into number two, you'll learn not to sweat the small stuff because maybe your way is not the only way. Maybe it's not the best way. Do I still believe that that toilet paper being flipped over and not under is the best way? I absolutely do. So that's why I change it. But there are some, some things that I've had to give my husband, um, the, the, the lead and, and, and the charge over, because I realized that although this is the way I've been doing it all my life, or this is the way I've been conditioned and taught to do this, that maybe just maybe my way is not the best way. And even if it is a great way, maybe I can see it from his way. There's more than one way to skin a cat. So I would say that number three, like I said, is understanding that your way is not the only way. Number four, forgive quickly, quickly, quickly. Um, we, we all know that even in the word of God, it tells us that, you know, we should not let the sun go down on, on our anger. And, you know, we have, because then we give the, the devil a foothold and it is so much truth in that scripture. It is so much truth in the word, because what happens is when we begin to carry stuff whether it's small or big, we begin to allow it to fester. And so um, I was the grudge holder, I will tell you. And my husband will tell you. <laughs> he loves to remind me of how I would be the person who would get mad and would stay mad. I mean, it could be, it could be about something as stupid as a toilet paper, right? And I, like that toilet paper argument would escalate into something else. And then I would walk around upset, like really handing out the silent treatment for days. And anybody who exercises the silent treatment, I don't do that anymore. I, I have grown tremendously. Thank the Lord for that. Cause that was like a really stupid phase of my life. I'm not calling you stupid. I'm calling myself. Cause I, what I realized I lost so much time. I lost so many moments being mad over silly things, but it takes so much energy to, to walk around somebody, to be in their space and not speak to them and not acknowledge them. So I implore you to forgive quickly. And if you're struggling with the forgiveness piece because you feel like they don't get it, they don't understand, they're not remorseful, they haven't paid the price, then you need to get to the bottom of that. That's where um, the two of you are going to have to really sit down and have a heart to heart and figure out what it's going to take for you to get to that place. And I do believe that your spouse has a responsibility in that. I've always been very vocal with my husband about this because there have been some things in, in our past where he did not understand 
why I felt a certain way. For instance, I'll give you this. Um, there, there has been times in the past, and I thank God that we finally grown past this because this was a challenge, but I always felt like, um, when I was, I've always, for the most part of our relationship, um, I did work for maybe like the first, uh, five or six years. But after that, I've been a full-time entrepreneur. And so there have been those times where I was not able to contribute as much to the household financially as I would have liked, or because again, I've always been very independent. So I, I don't, mind contributing financially to the home. And so I felt like, you know, there were times when my husband would make me feel like I was not doing enough. And on his side, he felt like he was not making me feel that way. But as I told him, even if you don't think you're doing that, if I'm walking away feeling that way, it's your responsibility to figure out why. It's your responsibility to help me navigate that because if you're my husband and you care about me, then you don't want me to feel that way, especially if you feel that that's not what you're projecting out into the world. And so I'm telling you that if you're dealing with this forgiveness issue, if you're dealing with an issue where you're stuck and you just can't seem to get past it, it's not just on you. If you're in a marriage, your spouse has a responsibility to help you walk through that healing, okay? The next one, I think we're on number five, is just say it. Just say it. It goes back to me just saying how vocal I was. Um, and I think that in the beginning, I was too, 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 too vocal. I would just fly off the handle and say things. And then what happened with that is because we will always end up in, in a place of disagreement or argument, then I begin to shut completely down and I wouldn't say anything about things that were bothering me. That is the wrong place to be as well. So I had to figure out where was that that nice fine line between saying too much and not saying anything at all. So if something is bothering you, if something is, is not right, speak on it. Speak on it. Again, start with number one. Go to God and say, God, you know, give me the timing. Show me when, when is the perfect time to speak up on this. Give me the words to say, I don't want to bruise egos. I had to have a very tough conversation with my husband. Uh, a couple of months ago and I didn't want to bruise his ego, but it ha- it was something that had to be said and vice versa. He's had to say some things to me that like, Ooh, I mean, they hurt because sometimes things that grow us and change us are, are, they hurt us. They pierce us, but you don't want to break anyone's spirit. You don't want to bruise anyone's ego. You don't want to crush them in the, in the process, but you have to say it because otherwise you walk around with things that, um, potentially have the, the, the ability to destroy like slowly as, as that scripture says, it's the small foxes that ruin the vineyard. So it may be something small, but as you continue to hold those small things in, then it's eating away and chipping away at the foundation of your marriage. And so you want to just say it, just say it. Number six, be your own goals. Okay. In the world of social media, you know, it's easy to see people, whether they're celebrities or whether they're just common people that you know in passing or you don't even know at all. You just see them and and, and the husband 
just purchased the wife a car and she's uh, laid out on the car with her big red bow and you're like, oh, there goes. I wish that could happen for me. You don't know their story. You don't know what they went through to even get to that point. You don't even know if they're happy. And as I'm recording this, you know, we're right on the heels of this whole situation with, with Will and Jada. And I know that there are people who have looked at Will and Jada and said they are relationship goals. They are couple goals. They are black love goals or whatever these have hashtags are you guys make up. I'm not saying that you can't admire people's relationship, but don't covet their relationship. Covet your own version of your beautiful love story. Because what happens is when people don't live up to your expectations, now your hope and, and, and your uh, inspiration in love is shattered. Make your own goals for your marriage. And so I can I can honestly say I've probably never looked at people and been like, oh, I want what they have. But there have been times where I have found myself like getting caught up in something like, oh, that's so beautiful. You know, it's not like that over here, but it will be one day. And and that's fine. You have some aspirations. But what I what I guess the point I'm trying to drive home here is be your own goals. Sit down and figure out what you want your relationship with your spouse to look like and figure out the way to get there and work towards those goals together. In that same vein, the next one I want to share is, and I, my numbers are all off because I'm kind of jumping all over my list. I think I'm on one, two, three, four, five, six. We're on eight, number eight, number eight. Build a solid friendship. Build a solid friendship. Um, I am one of the people, I'm probably the anomaly when I say this because I hear people say it all the time. They're like, you gotta marry your best friend. You should not be getting married if they're not your best friend. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. And I'm gonna t share why I don't because when I first got married, I'm going to be honest, my husband was not my best friend. We were friends, no doubt, because I do believe that you got to marry your friend. I would not marry someone who I don't consider a friend, but we were not best friends. I had my best friend, my best girlfriend, and I was like, you know, why does why do people keep saying that? I almost felt inadequate, like I was making the wrong decision because that's what was drilled into my head that I had to marry my best friend. Here's the thing. Getting to a place of best, quote unquote, friend, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of experience. It takes a lot. And so... Though we were definitely friends, we were good friends, we hadn't, in my mind, reached the best yet. But what I love is that friendship is something that grows. So as time went on and we spent every day together, we woke up, we went to bed together, we developed a best friendship. So today I can say that that is my best friend. I can go to him with virtually just about anything, except for sometimes when I want to talk about him, like I said, <laughs> when I started, you know, sometimes I'm like, I, well, I can't really go to him about this, but he is my best friend now. And so I would say, build a strong friendship, build that friendship. It You don't have to come in. And again, it's a lot of people who are not going to agree with me. Don't at me, don't DM me. I said what I said. I don't think you have to marry your best friend, but I do believe in marriage that if you are intentional and you put in the work and the time and the sacrifice, you will grow to be best friends. 
that's my spill on that. All right. Number nine, find the joy in doing stuff together. Find joy in doing things together. Um, I think it is very, very, very important, especially for married people to figure out what it is that they can come together to do. And I'm not just talking about, you know, going out to dinner or going to the movies or some of the things that are very difficult to do today. You know, we've taken for granted in the past, but I mean, like, what are those things that, that you can really grow and, and build together? I was just in prayer this morning and I was thanking God, you know, for getting us to this point of 15 years. And I said, okay, God, I'm still trying to figure out like, what is this, this, um, this business venture or this enterprise that him and I are going to build together. Both of us separately have our things. He he has a business. I have a few of them. So we have our things separately, but I'm like, okay, God, it's time to now do something together. And not because I'm just interested in, in us doing something together, but because I believe in the power of the two of us coming together and building on one accord. As I said, I'm building my stuff on this side. He's building his things and we both are in full support of each other and and we do what we have to do to assist along the way, but it's nothing like doing that together. So it doesn't, for you, doesn't have to be a business. You may want to go plant a garden together. You may want to um, go and, and volunteer somewhere together, but whatever it is, find the joy in doing those things together, okay? Number nine, (laughs) outside of finding the joy in doing those things together, maintain your own interests. I cannot stress that enough. Maintain your own interests. What is it that you like to do? What are your hobbies? What are the things that make you smile? Don't lose that in marriage. And even if you came into marriage without it, you need to figure out what it is that that makes you smile. What, What gives you that joy? What are those things that brighten up your day when you do them? Whether it's, um, like I said, a side hobby. You may like to rollerblade or ice skate or whatever, don't give up your own interest. And I remember when we first got married and it was so strange to me, my husband, he's probably going to kill me for telling this story. But, um, when we first got married, he married me. I was a very busy woman. Like I was, I had my hands in a lot of things. None of that changed, but then we got married and it was almost like he thought that I was going to just kind of slow down and give up all of these things that I was working on. And he used to be very, aggravated with me because I had a lot of commitments. Now hear me out. I do understand that I was married. And so when you get married, some things do have to shift and change. But at the same time, I'm like, this is who you you married me because of these things. You married me because I was a mover and a shaker. But the problem was my husband, he wasn't doing his own things. He, He didn't have all of his stuff that he wanted to do. He wasn't pursuing those things. When he started pursuing his own stuff, 
it didn't matter what I was doing. It didn't bother him anymore. And so that's why it's important, even down to when your spouse goes out to spend time with their friends, the people that I see, and I, and I see this sometimes in my friends' relationships. Um, I can think about one person in particular right now, early on in her marriage, she used to be so irritated by her husband going out, you know, occasionally. It wasn't even all the time and spending time with his friends. And I said to her, the problem is you need to do the same thing. Like, why do you think when you got married, you just were you just completely shut off all of your friends. That's not how this works. You know, you still need to maintain your own interests. That is so important to the health of not just yourself, but to the health of your marriage. Maintain your own interests. All right. I think we're on 10, 10, 11, 12. I don't know, guys. Look, I think my counting is all off, but I'm gonna give you 15. I got 15 on this list. I just started jumping all around, so I don't even know anymore. But this next one is teach without talking. Now, I know you probably listening to this list like so many of these things are contradictory. Well, that's why, again, you got to go. I'm going to keep sending you back to number one. Go to God because a lot of this marriage is complicated. OK, <laughs> let me just say that marriage is very complicated. And so although I did say just say it now, I'm saying that you got to learn how to teach without talking. And this has been so key for me. One of the examples that comes to mind, and I was just talking with my cousin about this, because like I said, we're coming up on my anniversary. She just celebrated her anniversary not too long ago. And she was telling me like how of an amazing job her husband did at planning everything. It was very romantic and he had given great gifts and she, and she said, you know, um, her coworkers were like all like, oh my God, he did it. Like, that's so beautiful. And she's like, listen, don't get it twisted. It wasn't always like this. This is years and years and years of training. And I was like, girl, I understand. And I, so when I think about even my situation, I know my husband, he hasn't always been like the best gift giver or like the best romantic. But what I did was I taught without talking. I showed him what I liked by doing it for him. And so sometimes you have to be the example. If you want to see something, especially I'm talking to the women with this one, because men don't always hear words. There's even a scripture and I can't remember it off the top of my head. I, I'll try to put it in the show notes if I can find it, but it talks about how women, are, I mean, men are not moved by words. They're, they're not moved by what you say to them. So you need to be the example, teach without talking, show him. And so what I would do is begin to uh, plan these things. And when I really saw this pivot, I was telling someone, um, a, a, my birthday a couple of years ago was like off the chain. My husband was was just like, you know what? I need you to get ready at nine o'clock. You need these type of clothes, pack this, pack that. And my whole weekend was, was taken care of and it was full of surprises. And everyone was like, oh my goodness, he really did it. I said, yeah, you know why? Because just a few, I think the year before that, I had laid it all out for him, but I had been doing this for a couple of years now. But again, he just had to be taught and he had to be trained. So I'm using that whole like gift and, and birthday and anniversary as an example, but this can be for anything. Sometimes you got to teach without talking, especially if you see that um, your talking isn't working. <laughs> if you see that you're talking until you're blue in the face and nothing is changing, maybe he needs to show you. I mean, I'm sorry, maybe you need to show them exactly what it is that you are saying. Okay, so that's teach without talking. My next lesson is 
be vulnerable, be vulnerable. Again, I came into this marriage, a very strong willed, independent woman. Being vulnerable was not something that I wanted to do. I did not want him to know my insecurities. I did not want him to know my weaknesses. I did not want to share those things. I did not want to even show them. So as much as I tried um, to, to hide, as much as I could, I tried to hide them. I tried to shelter them so that he could not see them. I did not want him to know that vulnerable side of me. I only wanted him to know me as this strong woman who took care of business, who took control and charge and made things happen. Who was this boss lady? You know, that's what I wanted him to see. But guess what? That didn't work well for either one of us. Number one, because when I finally did have moments of weaknesses and and my and my slip begins to show, he didn't even know how to handle it because he's like, oh, this who is this lady, you know? And so, for me, when when I would show, well, when my weaknesses would show, then it would begin to um, I would feel like I was I was letting myself down and letting him down. And it begins to put this wedge in our relationship. I hope I'm explaining this in a way that you can understand. I can see it in my mind. I I can like see these scenarios where this has happened in the past, but it, it just wasn't good for either one of us. And being vulnerable helped him to be the strength that I needed in that moment. And that was so key because my husband needs to be strength for me. He needs to feel like he's strength for me. He needs to understand that in my moments of weakness, he's there to hold me up. That's what being a help meet is all about. But if I don't ever um, let him into those weak parts, if, if I never decided to open up and just be vulnerable, we would be missing out on that key aspect. And honestly, we may not be best friends today if I never opened up and let him in. Be honest with yourself. When you think about your best friend, if you have a best friend outside of your spouse, when you think about that best friend, they know your weaknesses. They know your those things that you're sensitive about. They know what you're insecure about. And so that's why they know how to speak to those things. And the other thing about this is when I was holding back and not letting him into my vulnerabilities, then there are some things that he was saying and doing that were irritating those weaknesses, that were irritating those vulnerabilities. And then I would get upset. But guess what? He didn't even know because I'm putting up this this front. Like I'm just this strong, bad mama jamma 365 days a year. So you have to be vulnerable. They have to be able to see that. And I'm not just talking to the ladies on this. I'm talking to the ladies and the guys. Listen, fellas, you gotta be vulnerable with your wives as well. Well, they must be able to see that soft side of you to understand one, that they can open up and let out their weaknesses and their vulnerabilities, but two, so that they can be your strength. They're here. We're here to be your strength as well. There are some areas that you need us to, to prop you up and, and to support you in. And that's okay. It does not mean that you're weak because you have a weakness. It does not mean that you are not the strong man that God created you to be. It just means that we all have places and things that we need support and help in. So be vulnerable. 
Number 14. I know I'm on 14 now because I only got two left. <laughs> number Oh, no. Actually, I'm on number 13 because I got three left. Number 13. Don't stop growing. Don't stop growing. This is um, very important individually and collectively. You got to individually work on yourself and you have to continue to grow. When I look back over who I was, I got married when I was 24 years old. Thank God I am not the person I was when I was 24 because I was a hot mess, which I'm pretty sure I contributed to a lot of the, the issues that we had and those challenges we faced in the beginning stages of our marriage. I'm not the only one. I'm sure he was, he had some part in it too, but I, I thank God for the growth and I can see how I've grown. I can look at this list of things that I've shared with you and see how I've grown in every single area. Don't stop growing individually and collectively. Your marriage should not never be stagnant. It should never reach a plateau. There should be growth. I love when I see older couples in their 70s and their 80s, even their 90s, and they're still laughing. They're still having a good time. They're still learning each other. Like I love that I don't know everything about my husband. And here's the thing. I can never know everything about him because he's growing. If, if I knew everything about him today, that means that he did nothing about him has evolved. And so that's why it is so important just to continue to grow and to continue to learn each other and learn about your marriage and, and learn about what it's going to take for you two to make your thing work, to get to your goals. Because remember, we are our own relationship goals. We're our own marriage goals, right? Number 14, this is one of my favorites but make love often. And I specifically said make love because, you know, I had this profound revelation one day. I was like in my journal and I was like, literally, I don't know what I was writing, but I thought about the words make love. And I was like, when you think about that, that is so profound. Like that's why the enemy fights intimacy so hard in marriages. You know, you always hear about people before they get married, they're around here flying from the rafters and um, pennies hanging from the chandeliers and all type of tricks and all type of stuff. But when they get married, now they're uh, existing in sexless marriages because the, the, the devil knows that when you come together, you literally make love. And so that's why when you see, um, couples sometimes, and, and I've even sometimes experienced this in, in my own relationship where, you know, we may have been mad or whatever, or whatever's going on, or maybe we've gotten so busy and we look up and it's been maybe a week or something and everybody is on edge and everybody is tense. And now, you know, we're now there's an argument brewing over something stupid. But then when you come together and you make that connection, you meet up intimately, you literally make love. You create a new level of love. And so that's why the devil is fighting you because every time you get together and you make that connection, you are creating new love and he hates love. He hates love. He don't want you to do that. He does not want you to do that. So I'm going to say, do it often, whatever often is for you. I cannot define that within the confines of your marriage, but make it a priority. Do not, do not be come comfortable and complacent living within a sexless marriage. God is not pleased with that at all. And then number 15, last one, enjoy the journey. 
enjoy the journey. And the journey is full of twists, turns, ups, downs, ebbs, flows, peaks, valleys, highs and lows, all that stuff. It's full of all of that. It's like an obstacle course. There are going to be some hurdles to jump. You know, you're going to trudge through the mud, whatever, but enjoy the journey. And that includes that, the bad stuff, enjoy it. Like it doesn't feel good while you're going through it, but how you get to the place of enjoying it is looking back on it as I've done today with these 15 lessons, looking back on it and seeing how did I grow in this? What did we learn from this? I love those moments when me and my husband sit up and we laugh about some of the stupid stuff that we used to get upset about. Like it's funny to us now. And I I pray that you get to the point where you're able to laugh about it. That's what enjoying the journey is about. Understanding that this is going to take some work. It's going to take us bumping our heads a, a few times because I think I know everything. You think you know everything. We came together and neither one of us know nothing about marriage. Nothing. We came together knowing nothing about marriage, but we thought we knew everything about everything and we came together and now we got to figure this thing out together and we're going to not agree along the way. But the joy and the and the enjoyment comes, like I said, when you look back and you're like, man, look how far we've come. You look back at that, that trail and you see those those hurdles and those mountains and that muddy terrain. And you like, we came through all of that. We did that. We did that. So I just want to implore you to enjoy the journey and really relish in the, in the good moments. The good moments should far outweigh the bad ones. And so, you know, don't allow those bad little missteps to cancel out all of the beautiful memories and all the beautiful experiences that you have collected together. Don't allow that to happen. That's all I got, guys, my 15 lessons. I wasn't even going to give you guys a new episode, but I felt it like, you know, I want you guys to, to really, um, I want your marriages to prosper. God wants your marriages to prosper. He wants you to win. Remember, that's why he puts us up on this good, good game. He wants your marriage to win. And I do know that, you know, this season, I talked about it all year long, pretty much. We've been talking about, you know, being in this pandemic and being quarantined and how this is the time, especially for family. God is getting us back to the basics. And it's number one is getting our focus back on him. Number two, making sure that we are focused on the, the people, God is concerned with people. It, this is about people. He loves his people. And so you, the people he has assigned you to, your spouse, your children, your family, it's about getting back to the basics. And so today I just, I implore you to really dig deep. And if there's any one of these, I know this is, it was 15 lessons. So that's a lot to just kind of soak in, but take one or two and really ponder on them and, and consider like, how can I grow? What can I learn from this? How can I do better in these two areas as it pertains to my marriage? All right. That's all I got guys. I'm going to hop off of here because as I said, I am in anniversary celebration mode. And so I'm going to go have a great time this weekend, this week slash weekend and just enjoy my husband. God wants you to win, guys. He wants us all to win. Let's win. This is the winner circle. Next week, we'll be back with another rewind for the next two weeks, I believe. And then August, I'll be back on my regularly scheduled program. I love you guys so much. Stay blessed. 
Stay sane and stay safe. It's your girl, Kristen R. Harris, and I'm out. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of God Put Me Up On Game. Make sure you follow us on social media at God Put Me Up On Game and at Kristen R. Harris. We'll see you next week.